that's where he is. But I'm excited about part two of our marriage series because this is probably one of my most favorite things besides prayer to teach on is marriage. Because how many of you know God is the one that created it? God is the one that thought it up. God is the one that designed it. So as, mo- as much as culture would like us to think, we cannot redefine marriage. It's already been defined. It's already set in the word of what it is. And when you follow God's plan and God's way, it's always best. So we're going to talk about that today. But before we do, let's uh, open up in a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is not only powerful. I thank you that your word is a light to our feet. It's a lamp to our path. It directs us in the way to go. And I thank you today that your word is going to fall on hearts that are ready and open. Our ears, we just declare that our ears are going to hear today what you want us to hear. Our eyes are going to see from your word what you want us to see. And most of all, your word is going to get into our hearts and into our spirit and produce a great harvest in our lives. And we thank you for it. And everybody said... Amen. So last week, part one, we talked about pursuit. You remember that? We talked about the word pursuit, how Jacob was willing to pursue his love, Rachel, for seven years. He had to work seven years, and the dad said, you work seven years, I'll give you Rachel. So he did that. The dad deceived him and gave him Leah, and and Jacob's like, wait a minute, this wasn't part of the deal. So he said, well, if you work another seven years, uh, you can do that for for Rachel. So he did that, and it's so interesting because the Bible says that to Jacob, those years were like days, just days, because he was so in love with Rachel. So pursue your mate. That's something you want to keep active in your marriage. We talked about if you think something nice, what? Say it. If you're thinking something nice, say it. Don't keep it inside. Let it be a blessing to your spouse. If you're thinking something special, do it. And finally, if you want something different, be it. Amen? So that's what we talked about last week. We talked about pursuit. Today, we're going to talk about the word partnership. Everybody say that with me. Partnership. Partnership is a powerful thing, and God intended for our marriage to be a partnership. But here's what I want you to write down today. Here's a powerful truth. Now, I know if you look at your notes, when Pastor and I team teach, we've usually got the title, and then we've got one, two, or three, or four points, and we go back and forth. But today, it's going to be a little different. I've just got a lot of powerful truths for you. The first powerful truth about partnership that I want you to get a hold of is it means that I commit that our marriage will be about we and not about me. When you're married, it's no longer just about you. It's not just about me. It's about we. And you know why? Because marriage is a partnership. And when we enter into the covenant relationship of marriage, it means that we are committing to the reality that it is no longer just about me. It's about we. It's about us. And it's more than just living together. It's dreaming together, planning together, working through differences together. It's serving together, praying together. It's really building a family together. So let's look at the Word of God today at our main foundational scripture verse, which is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It says this, A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. I love that. To me, this is so beautiful because this is God 
in one verse defining what marriage is. Now today we're trying to redefine that. Culture's trying to redefine that. But I'm just telling you this is God's plan right here. He's the one that created it. And we have no right to change what he created. We have no right to redefine it. Because this is his idea. A man leaving father and mother and joining to his wife and they shall be one flesh. I think this is so beautiful. That word joined there means actually to be united and completely joined as one. This is God's plan. Now, if you're here today, in fact, I'm sure in a group this size, there's many here today. If you've been through the pain of divorce, my heart and this message is not to bring any condemnation or shame or guilt. But it is, I believe you can still establish today a strong foundation for tomorrow. In other words, we can't change the past, right? So your past is done. And thank God that because of his grace and his forgiveness, your past can actually be under the blood to the point where Jesus doesn't even see that anymore. He sees you as new. His mercies are new every morning. So we can't change the past, but we can commit to God's way for our future. So we can take where we are today and say, okay, God, today, from this day forward, I'm going to do it your way and commit to your plan. So uh, the Pharisees came up with the same thing of divorce. They came to Jesus in Matthew 19, uh, verse 3, and they said this. They came saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? He answered and said to them, I love this. He takes them way back to the plan again, way back to the beginning. Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And then he quotes the Old Testament. He quotes our scripture verse. And he says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two now become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Wow, that's a beautiful thing. That's God's plan in a perfect world, amen? Now, I know we live in a fallen world. We live with imperfect people, so it doesn't always go according to plan. So I have a question that, is this even possible? Something to think about. Is it possible to follow God's plan? Yes, it is. Amen? It is possible. But how can we live this out? How, how can this become a reality for us? Let's first start with the foundational principle of what marriage really is. I don't know if you've ever heard a lot of people say, well, you know, marriage, it's just a piece of paper. Have you ever heard that? But I want you to know that implies that marriage is a contract. But what we need to understand is that in God's eyes, marriage is not a contract. Marriage is actually a covenant. And there's a huge difference, a big difference. Marriage, in God's eyes, is a covenant, not a contract. Huge difference. You know why? Because if you do a business deal with someone, they're going to have you sign a contract. Do you know why? Because they don't trust you, and they don't want to be burned. I guarantee you, you go to the bank and you try and get a loan for a house, they're going to have you sign a contract. Because they want to know that if you don't follow through with that, that they're not going to get burned. So do you know that a contract is based on mutual distrust? God didn't plan that for marriage. A covenant is based on mutual commitment. Saying, I'm committed to you no matter what. Yes, there is going to be hard times, but I'm going to be committed. 
Yes, there's going to be times when I don't feel it, but I'm going to be committed. So a covenant is based on mutual commitment. In God's eyes, it's a binding agreement. In fact, in God's eyes, it's a blood covenant. Did you know that in the Old Testament, whenever a covenant was made, there was blood that was involved. There was blood that was shed. And that's why salvation is such a beautiful thing. When Jesus died for us and shed his blood, that was his way of showing us this is a covenant that you are committing to. Salvation isn't a contract you sign and a bunch of rules you follow. No, it's a covenant. It's a blood covenant. And Jesus shed his blood to make that covenant possible. Did you know that in the same way, God's plan for our marriage is based on covenant? Now, in the Old Testament, when a couple was going to get married, they would actually stand before a priest, and that priest would make a small cut in the hand of the groom and a small cut in the hand of the bride. And they would join hands, and that blood would literally mingle together, symbolizing that this is literally a blood covenant. The two are now one. The blood has been joined, and this is a blood covenant. It was a beautiful symbol. And did you know that God has actually designed our bodies and created them in such a way? Now, this is in God's perfect plan and in his perfect world. On the wedding night, when a virgin man would enter a virgin woman, there's actually blood that is spilled. And in his eyes, that's signifying and symbolizing and actually sealing the marriage covenant. That this is now no longer two people, but they come together and they are now one for life, sealed for life in a blood covenant. See, that's how God sees the sexual relationship. He actually sees it as sacred. And the only reason we all get a little uncomfortable when you say the word sex in church is because the world has perverted it so much. And we've gotten so far away from God's plan and his purpose that we get embarrassed. Sometimes Christians even think, still think it's dirty. When God is the one that created it, he invented it, he thought it up, he doesn't close his eyes and say, oh, there they go again. He's the one that planned it and created it. Actually, it's his wedding gift to you on your wedding night. It's his gift to you. That's how it is in God's plan. Now, in this perfect world, it's been perverted, it's been misused. And I'm just here to say, if you've blown it, if you're single and you've blown it, it doesn't mean it's over and you can't have it God's way, there is forgiveness. But I think that we need to repent, say, God, I acknowledge that we've done this wrong, I've messed up, but I want to do it your way. Sex is not, it was never intended to be done here and there with him and her and everywhere. Do you know that you're leaving a piece of you? You're, you're leaving pieces of you all over because you've been sealed with that person, a blood covenant, and that's why there's so much pain today. That's why there's so much hurt. That's why there are women that feel like their heart has been torn in half because they're giving pieces of themselves all over. That's not God's plan. So I just think it's always best when we follow his ways. So in God's eyes, sex is, act, sex is actually a sacred thing, and it seals the covenant of marriage. Now, since we're on this subject for just a little bit, let's stay here for just a little bit. I promise we're going to get on, but here's a thought, just a thought, a really wild, radical idea. What if, everybody say what if, what if today we remained committed 
to saving the sexual relationship for marriage. What if, let's just say what if, we decided to remain committed to saving the sexual relationship for marriage. Now, I know that's not normal. I know that's even kind of a little weird. I know that with today's culture, that is like backwards, old school, old-fashioned, right? That's what culture will tell you. They will look at you weird if you say, they will look at you like you're weird if you say, you know, I've just decided that I'm going to be committed to saving sex for marriage. I'm just going to be a virgin until I'm married. They will look at you like you are weird. So here's another question. Is that even possible in today's culture? Of course it is. The Bible reminds us all things are possible. So this is possible, but what does that verse also say? With God, all things are possible. You're going to need to involve God in this because you probably won't be able to do it on your own. But what if... What if I'm just going to put a challenge out there to all you single folks? What if you were willing to be brave enough and strong enough and bold enough to say, I am going to go against the norm. I am going to be willing to be looked at as different because you know what? I think I want different results than what I'm seeing culture produce. Are you with me? The, the results we're seeing today from the way the world is living, I don't know if you've noticed, but I think it's producing a lot of pain and brokenness. I think it's producing a lot of messy, unhappy situations. And so what if we just decided that, you know what? If you want something different, you've got to be something different. So what if you're willing to say, I'm willing to be something different in order to get different results than what culture is producing today? Amen? I think you'll be on the right journey. Here's something to think about again. Because here's the norm for today. You meet someone, you fall in love, and you move in together. That's the norm for today. You meet someone, you fall in love, and you move in together. And, and it, it, I'm not just talking about world and culture anymore. I'm talking about church people. I'm talking about Christians that love God, that are living together. So here's just something to think about, okay? Just come along with me for a little bit. I know what they always say is it just makes more sense. It's more economical. saves us money. It's just easier, but my question to you is, is it really easier? And here's why. Because one day I guarantee you're going to wake up and you're going to realize he's not all that. You're going to break up. And then you're going to find someone else and you're going to repeat the cycle. Find someone, fall in love, move in together. Wake up and break up. That's what I call it, the wake up and break up mode. Now you find someone else, fall in love, and move in together. So here's a cycle going on, and I want you to think about this for a minute. What you are doing is you're pretending to be married when you're living together. You're just pretending to be married, and you're doing things that married people do. You're sharing resources. You're sharing a home, you're sharing a bed, you're pretending to be married, and then what happens is you're practicing divorce. So living together, you're simply pretending to be married, but then you're breaking up, finding someone else, you're practicing divorce. Is it any wonder that so many marriages are ending in divorce when you're just simply reverting back to what you've been practicing for so many years? Just a thought. I know that's not the case in every situation, okay? So you don't have to tell me that. I know that, but that's just a thought. So that's just a thought, but here's truth. How many of you would like to hear truth? Truth is not subjected to your opinion. Truth is truth. God's plan and God's way 
And God's design is always best. And it always produces the best results. That was kind of a little, little amen, so I'm going to say it again. God's plan and God's design is always best, and it will always produce the best results. Amen. That's a little bit better. It's true. If we do things God's way. So marriage was meant to be a partnership, a covenant, not a contract. It was meant to be from this day forward for better or worse, richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. I will be faithful to you as long as I live, so help me God. That used to be a phrase you'd hear in in marriage vows. People have thrown it out today. I'm just going to tell you, if you want to do it God's way, you're going to need God's help. Why don't you involve him, and it will go a lot better. If you want to do it God's way, you're going to need God's help. You know why? Because his, way are, his ways are higher. It doesn't mean his ways are easier. It takes commitment. It takes dedication, especially today, in today's culture. If you decide to save that sex for marriage, that is going to be different. You're going to be stamped as different. But I think it's worth it to see different results than what society is seeing. Here's another thing to remember. Marriage is not 50-50. Marriage is 100%, 100%. It's not dividing everything in half. It's giving everything you have. It's not half. It's everything you have. And you know what else? Think about this. Marriage is not just do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know what? Covenant takes it a step further. Blood covenant says, I will do to you as Christ has done for me. Everybody say, wow, wow. But again, that's God's plan. In Ephesians chapter 5, listen to this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Love your wives as your own bodies, for we are members of his body. Again, there's God's plan. So let's look at at one more thing here concerning partnership. Did you know that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21... Before he ever said anything in verse 25, you know what he starts out by saying? He says that we honor Christ when we submit to one another. This is really important to catch. Before he ever said, wives, submit to your husbands, he first said, submit to one another. You know why? This is so powerful because that means that you're thinking of one another. You're giving regard to the other's feelings. You're you're including the other one. So just as the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church, this is talking about covenant partnership. It's based on godly leadership and mutual submission. Once you get a hold of that, godly leadership and mutual submission. See, the reason, again, we have people freaking out when they hear the word submit or submission, the reason women are like, don't you talk to me about submit, don't you tell me to submit, the reason is, again, that's been abused and misused and misunderstood. Paul starts out by saying submit to one another, listening to one another, including one another, giving regard to one another. It means, guys, she has some gifts and talents that you may not have. And when you utilize on that, you're actually, it's actually to your benefit. Gals, it means he has some gifts and strengths you may not have. And when you pull on that, you're better. It means you are better together 
You complete one another, not compete with one another. Amen? So mutual submission. And then ladies, look at what he says. We get to submit to our husbands in the same way we submit to the Lord. How, how do you submit to the Lord? And what makes it such a beautiful thing? You know how? Because we trust him. You know why? Because we know that he loves us. So submitting to God is actually a beautiful thing. It's actually an easy thing to do because we know that he loves us. We know he laid down his life for us. And we know that he only has the best for us. So this is how God intended submission to be, is a beautiful thing and a safe and secure thing. Ladies, I want you to realize God never, ever had any intention of expecting you to submit to a husband that was not godly to submit to something that was not Christ-like. That's his first stipulation here, is that the husbands are loving the wives as Christ loves the church, then it's easy to submit to. And that's why he gives instructions to the husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Amen? Everybody breathe. You doing okay? It's safe, it's secure, and it's beautiful. Do you know that the Son of God gave the most perfect example of submission by giving his life? By laying down his will and giving his life for us. So it's not too much to ask us to submit when, when the Son of God submitted himself to his will by giving his life for us. So we've got godly leadership, mutual submission. So guys, your leadership in your marriage should always be a reflection of Christ. So let's remember this. Here's one more thought to think about. While Christ's love for us is perfect, you are not married to perfect. As much as you might think on your wedding day, you are not marrying Mr. Perfect, and you are not marrying Mrs. Perfect. might take some a little longer to find that out, but if you've been in marriage for a while, you're going to find that out. And so my point is, let's always leave room for grace. He's going to lead. He's going to make mistakes. Leave room for grace. She's going to follow. She's going to end up maybe somewhere she didn't intend to be. Leave room for grace. So it's we, not me. Marriage is partnership. It's covenant, not contract. It's godly leadership and mutual submission. Here's another thing to think about. Marriage is not measured by your feelings. It's based on your commitment. I touched on this a little bit, but I'm just telling you, you're not always going to feel it. And we've really got to get over this, I'm just not feeling it mentality. It doesn't work to bring that into marriage. There's times you don't feel like feeding your baby either. I can guarantee you that. That 3 a.m. feeding, you don't feel like it. But what do you do? You get up and do it because it's the right thing to do. And there's consequences if you don't. Uh, husbands, you're not always going to feel like going to work. You're not always going to feel like paying the mortgage. But it's something that we do. It's the same thing with your marriage. You're not always going to feel like investing in one another. You're not always going to feel like working out your differences. You're not always going to feel like forgiving one another. But we must remember that your marriage is not measured by your feelings. It's based on your commitment. Here's one more truth, and then we're going to get ready to wrap it up in just a little bit. You ready for this? Your marriage really will be just as good as both of you decide it will be. Your marriage will be as good as both of you decide it will be. 
Now, I know when Pastor and I are up here teaching together, we have fun. We have fun preaching together. We love that. And, and a lot of you guys look at us and you just say, oh, that's so sweet. That's so cute. They're so in love. After 36 years of marriage, they still love one another. And you're like, that's so sweet. It's just so easy for them. But I want to tell you something. We face challenges just like you guys do. We face trials and hard times just like you guys do. We are subject to the temptation of sin, just like you guys are. We have busy lives, just like you guys do. We've been attacked by Satan, just like you have, probably even more than you have because of being pastors. We're scrutinized more, criticized more, and held on a higher pedestal more than most of you. Here's my point. My point is our marriage is not what it is today because our life is so much easier than yours. Our marriage is what it is today because we've made that decision. We've made that commitment. We've decided to be faithful to one another. We've decided to be committed to one another. Your marriage will be as good as both of you decide it will be. You know what? If it's empty, fill it up. You don't get rid of your car because it runs out of gas. What do you do? You fill it up. You don't give up on your marriage because you run out of love. You fill it up. And you fill it up. And you fill it up some more. You get to church together and you hear the word and you fill it up. You get to worship night and you get together. You worship together. You fill it up. You come to corporate prayer and you get together. You pray together. You fill it up. You go out on a date. You make time for one another. You think of each other's feelings and you fill it up. You fill it up. I'm just telling you, if it's empty, fill it up. You don't get rid of your car just because it runs out of gas. It's the same way with your marriage. Partnership is we, not me. Marriage is covenant, not contract. It's godly leadership and mutual submission. It's commitment, not feelings. And finally, your marriage will be as good as both of you decide it will be. Church, I really believe that when we do it God's way, we get God's results. When we do it his way, we get the best results. So I want to read this for you. Uh, I know that there's a phone today right on your, your Bibles, and when I write my notes, I write really big so I don't have to wear these glasses. I'm, I'm fighting this. Even though I've got five grandbabies and I am a, a nana, I'm fighting this glasses thing. One day I'll have to go get them. But listen to this. I just want to open this up and read this. I just believe there's something precious about the written word of God. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. This is in Ephesians 5, but it's out of the message translation. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out. I love that. Go all out in your love for your wives. Just exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty, 
Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body. No, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. This is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. Amen? That's God's plan right there. Let's pray. Every head bowed. I just want to have a word of prayer this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is truth. Your word is not meant to be changed, and your word's not even subject to our opinion. Your word is truth. And Father, I thank you that today I've been obedient to deliver the word you put in my heart, and now I thank you that that truth is really sinking into our spirits today. I thank you today, God, for people that are committed to doing it your way. And then we can see your results. Thank you, God, for your goodness and your love. I thank you that you are a God of forgiveness. You are a God of second chances. You are a God of new beginnings. Your mercies are new every morning. And we thank you for it. Amen. Before we close, I want to do something here. First, I'm going to have all the singles stand. So if you are here today and you're not married, you're single. I want you to stand. I just want to pray a blessing over you today. And I'm going to pray that you're going to be committed. And what's the matter? Are all the singles like afraid to stand? Come on, stand up. I want to pray a blessing over you. Because God's plan for your life as a single is still good. And I don't want you to think that everybody has to be married. God may have a different plan for you. But I do believe that God gives us the desires of our heart. And if it's your desire to someday be married, I believe he's going to bring you the right person. But you know what God's waiting for? He's waiting for you first to be all that he's created you to be. So get your eyes. If you're that type that's just always looking for someone, looking for someone, looking for someone, get your eyes off of that and get your eyes on becoming the person God created you to be so that you can be the spouse to someone that you want to have. Amen? So lift up your hands, all you, all you single folks. Father, I thank you today for everyone that's standing today that is single. Father, I thank you, number one, that their eyes are going to be on you first and foremost before anything. That, that they are going to look to you as the number one in their life. That they will look to you to being all that you've created them to be. That they will realize that in Christ they are complete right as they are. And that when they realize that and they become secure in who they are in Christ in the right time and in the right way and in the right place, you will bring the right person for them. So as their pastors, I just pray peace over them. I pray wisdom over them. I pray discipline over them that they would be able to stay committed to doing it your way. And I thank you for it. And everybody said amen and amen. Okay, now, all of you that are married, I want you guys to stand. If you're here with your spouse, join hands. Even if you're fighting, even if there's turmoil, you grab their hand today and hold it as I pray a blessing over you. If your spouse is here, yeah, go find your spouse and hold hands with her. I know some of you here are, are married and your spouse just isn't with you. They were either in first service or they're servants, so I understand that too. But let's lift up our hands to him. Father, I thank you for every marriage that's represented here today. 
I thank you, God, that your desire for marriage is fulfillment. Your desire for our marriage is peace and security and love. And Father, I just thank you that every marriage at Destiny is going to be strong and secure and safe and stable. And most of all, that they will be marriages that bring you honor and glory. That they will be marriages that seek you first as the author of their love. And I thank you, God, that your goodness and your love and your mercy surround them today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. You could go ahead and be seated. I just believe that when we follow his word and follow his plan, we have the best results. But I know that in this world that we live in, it's not always easy. I know that sometimes it takes that hard work and that dedication. And I just want you to know that my heart goes out for you. If you're here today and you're struggling in your marriage and you're not seeing the results you want and you're really hurting, my heart goes out to you. But God knows exactly where you are. And he is there to minister his love and his peace and his healing. He's a God of restoration, no matter how bad it looks. I've seen marriages that have broken up and been apart and God has restored and brought beautiful healing. So he's a God of healing and restoration. He's a God of forgiveness. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Even if you've blown it in the past, I mean, God, God sees today as a new day for you. So that's good news.